Welcome to Food Friends. I'm Carrie. And I'm Sonia. We met in Los Angeles over 15 years ago as private chefs and haven't stopped talking about food since. We created Food Friends to share our stories and recipes with each other and you. We're so glad you're here. Did you know that cabbage is available at virtually any grocery store and can last for several weeks in your fridge? If you've ever looked at a head of cabbage and wondered, what am I supposed to do with this thing? This is the moment to immerse yourself in the delicious world of cabbage. When I think about cabbage, my mind always goes to the creamy coleslaws of my childhood. But in this episode, Sonia teaches me that cabbage is incredibly versatile, maybe the most versatile veggie ever. It's true that cabbage is wonderfully crunchy in a salad, and Sonia shares a couple of unexpected dressings that really elevate the flavors to another level. But she also shares a couple of ways to cook cabbage, using words like melty, jammy, and velvety to describe the alchemy that happens when cabbage is cooked. This conversation taught me that a head of cabbage in the fridge is truly a gift to my future self, so stay tuned to hear about the cabbage dishes that you can use to amp up your veggie life. Hi, Sonia. Hi, Carrie. I'm excited to see you today. I already feel better. You may hear that I have, I'm recovering a little bit from a cold, but seeing your face is very healing. Thanks for saying that. And I also have to say, as usual, I'm excited to chat with you. Well, there was that recent New York Times piece sometime in 2023 or something. I think it was the New York Times where they wrote, why is cabbage sexy again? Or is cabbage sexy again? Or cabbage is sexy now? I can't tell you how many people in my life sent me that article. I don't know that we talked about that. I will sort of confess, I feel like there's so much you can do with cabbage. So many things that I didn't really know until I got older as I really come to appreciate cabbage and all you can do with it. And I also feel like I'm still kind of new to it. And I feel like you're a little bit more of the sage in this conversation. (laughs) Well, I think it's again, like what we're raised with, right? So my family, all of them come from Ukraine. That's where they came from, but they were also spent time in other parts of the former Soviet Union. And cabbage is like the one of the most important vegetables of that region. There are hundreds of cabbage dishes. And I grew up with cabbage as like a very normal ingredient in our home, you know, from quick made sauerkrauts. Like there's a kind of Soviet style kraut that's like a very crunchy, not a, a soggy kind of sauerkraut, you know, uh-huh. yeah. to like to like borscht, to all these dishes, which we're going to get into some of them. I didn't even realize cabbage wasn't that cool until I became self <laughs> conscious. Probably around middle school, I was like, oh, or even earlier, I was like, oh, I guess cabbage is stinky and weird to people. But to me, it was so like cabbage. This is going to be so one of those conversations where I'm coming from Mars and you're coming from Venus. And we're talking about (laughs) this one thing that as I've gotten older, I've really realized how much I love cabbage. And you know, I think people talk about cabbage, especially when you cook it, it's like this stinky vegetable, but it's really tasty. So I want to throw it to you. Well, the thing about cabbage, is that it's actually such a sweet plant. And I think it can either be kind of a blank canvas. That's why it's so good for kimchi where you could just like add all the spice and it will soak it up and get all crunchy. But then if you really want to embrace cabbage and all of its cabbageness and glory of that, I think that there's two major ways to accomplish that. One is a good, nice char where you get that blackened, caramelized yeah. sugar thing. Yeah. And I also think, and it's sort of a similar idea, is a slowly roasted 
roasted cabbage that gets deeply caramelized. I'm really glad you brought up roasted cabbage because when I was new to personal chefing, that's also when like the roasting craze I felt like was sort of coming out. So everyone was roasting broccoli and roasting cauliflower and roasting all these vegetables. And it was in that time that I realized that roasting sweetens every vegetable. It makes everything taste, you know, especially those brassicas, like the broccoli and the cauliflower. And so that's one of my favorite ways to eat cabbage is actually just to shred it and throw it on a sheet pan with a little bit of olive oil, salt, and pepper. And it's so tasty. Yes. Any kind of roasted cabbage is great. But I want to tell you about a recipe that takes it a little bit to the nth degree. And it's actually how I prepare my leeks. So I'm going to describe something that's exactly what I do with braised leeks. But this is sort of a braised cabbage. And the recipe comes from Adina Sussman, who's an incredible recipe developer. This uh, recipe was in a cookbook called Sababa. We'll link it. And basically what she did is she takes two small cabbages, cuts it into wedges, you sear them off in a pan, and then you nestle them with a ton of garlic, shallot. I think I tend to throw in herbs. I don't know what her exact recipe is. And then add a little white wine. And then her method is that she puts that in the oven after it's been like seared. Then you put it in the oven at a low temperature, like 300 degrees, and you braise that for two hours. What? And the, yes, you braise the the cabbage for two full hours or two and a half hours if you want it even softer. And it becomes deeply melty and caramelized, but not burnt because you're not doing a high temp roast. This is a subtle, delicate, slow cooked braise, like how you would treat a brisket almost. And it is just transformative of the cabbage. And I remember when this recipe was going semi-viral around people who love Adina Sussman's recipes. And I was like, I get why this cabbage recipe stood out in her book. It looks really beautiful in the pan too. Cabbage actually is beautiful. It's so much like a flower. Again, I'm hearkening back to the leeks because when I discovered that you could do exactly this with leeks, them in the oven low and slow for a long time till they get all jammy and melty, like you can do the same thing with cabbage. Wasn't it that last year those braised leeks were one of your best dishes of the year? They were one of my favorites in 2022. That's oh right. Gosh. I wonder if this cabbage dish is going to I'm be starting my, back. One yeah. of my favorite dishes of 2024 because that sounds incredible. And I think I've realized you sent me the cookbook Six Seasons by Joshua McFadden. And this was a recipe I definitely overlooked, but we you mentioned it on a different episode where you said there's this really beautiful recipe where you saute cabbage in a lot of butter kind of low and slow and it starts off the base of this soup. It's a cabbage farro soup, but you know what you're getting at, which I think is so important to this conversation, is taking cabbage and giving it low heat and a little bit of fat mm-hmm. and the alchemy of that, the butter and tomato, the butter and the cabbage or a little good olive oil and cabbage on a low heat because there is something that happens that's different at low heat than high heat. And I really think cabbage is a friend of low I'm glad you brought up that soup and I can't wait for you to try it at some point because there is something magical. It requires so few ingredients. Like normally when I make a soup, I'm making like I'm cutting up celery and onion and carrot and so many things. And I really think the soup is just cabbage and onion. And a little bit of farro. That's and a little bit of farro. Yeah. Yeah. And Parmesan. There's a little bit of Parmesan. And when I was doing some research, there were a couple of soups that were like this. There's a Melissa Clark recipe that actually to your point about the leaf. It's like it starts with leeks, you add garlic and cabbage, and you add a little bit of rice. 
to it. Mm. It thins it up a little bit and you sort of let it all cook. And it that reminded me a little bit of a dish that you recently talked about and sort of introduced me to, which is kanji, right? Yeah. Like this cooking rice in a lot of broth, it makes it creamy and it sort of thickens the soup, but it's not, it's not like a rice soup, right? Yeah. And then you serve it with some Parmesan grated on top and it just, it's so comforting. It's so comforting. Cabbage makes its way into a lot of Eastern European and Slavic and Soviet soups. And recently I've been playing around with white borscht, which is actually, it's you can find it in Ukraine and Russia and other places, but it's predominantly a Polish soup. Some of it doesn't even have cabbage, but my version does. This is a soup that has sausage and potato and sourdough bread as its base. Oh, wow. So it's like a creamy blended soup, but without any cream, right? And then it has the smokiness wow. of kielbasa. But I like to add a layer of cabbage onto that for that rounding out of that sweetness to have a little bit more vegetable intake so it's not as heavy as just potato and sourdough bread. So I just think what we're getting at, again, is this way in which cabbage adds a really amazing dimension and velvetiness to a soup. Yeah. It's funny. I can also take it to like the opposite side, which is the way I have always, especially growing up, experienced cabbage is raw and very crunchy. The first thing I think of when someone says cabbage is coleslaw. Mm. Um, But one of the things that I discovered as I sort of got out more into the food world and especially living in Los Angeles is there's a lot of places that you can get a soup like pozole, right? Which is a Latin soup that has hominy and a chili base and usually pork, but not always. But one of the things that I thought was so brilliant about this like very brothy stew that's so warming in the winter is that it's always served with this plate of raw, crunchy vegetables, which is always a big pile of cabbage. And then you can add all different kinds of scallions or garlic, or you can add jalapenos, which add like some heat to it, radishes. And so the thought of having like a brothy soup, but then this really fresh, crunchy element, cabbage is a great place for that too. Oh, that's a really smart idea. I also like, I'm obsessed with shredding cabbage on a mandolin. You know how much I love mandolins. Yes. But you know, have you ever done it? And it's like wispy, like it's yeah. so, 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 so thin that it's yeah. almost like airy. You'll see it in Japanese restaurants a lot. That's how they serve cabbage. Like it's a little pile of strings and it's such a nice texture. Yeah. I think that in a soup, and it makes me think even of like pho, you know, when you add all those, you know, mung beans and fresh herbs, yeah. a crunchy cabbage though in a spicy soup, whatever yeah. the flavor profile is a really good idea. It adds a, a breath of freshness to it too. Whereas the first recipe that you're describing where you cook cabbage and butter and it, it sort of submits into this velvety, lovely, creamy vegetable with this nuanced dimension, there's another nuanced dimension in like a crunchy cabbage in like this stewy broth, right? It's it's yes. so it's like equal and opposite versions of pleasure. <laughs> yes. So I want to ask you though, is there a cabbage dish that stands out for you right now in your culinary journey? Now that you've gone beyond coleslaw, what what's exciting you about cabbage right now? Well, on my culinary journey, I have a, a coleslaw adjacent idea, which has served me really well. There was a dish that a lot of my clients liked for me to make for them. We would make grilled fish tacos and I would, oh, grill, yeah. I would grill a white fish. It's funny. There was even this one family, they had three little girls and their oldest 
daughter had the sharpest palate of any person I've ever known in my life. There was nothing that I was ever trying to get, you know, hide from her. But like if anybody tried to hide anything from her, she knew that kid. And so one day she was like, well, I don't like tilapia or I don't like halibut or she she decided one day she didn't like one of the whitefish that I cooked. And so I bought five different kinds of whitefish and I cooked them all for her for these fish tacos that we all really loved. But and so it was always grilled fish and lime and cilantro on a corn tortilla, but I would always shred cabbage on the top. And that was something totally different from the way that I grew up. Like as opposed to shredded lettuce or shredded iceberg. As opposed to shredded lettuce. Yeah, because shredded iceberg to me is really nice on like a a beef taco, but I liked the cabbage because it really was like a nice textural counterpoint. It has a lot of texture. It has a lot of texture. It was thicker and crunchier. When you said whitefish too, I don't know if you know how common like smoked whitefish is in Jewish delis. So whenever I hear you say whitefish, I'm thinking about smoked whitefish. And I I was kind of, I was enjoying where you were going with that because I'd love to know what she ended up liking, what your client ended up preferring of all the different kinds of what you're talking about, like where the flesh of the fish is white, which could be cod or halibut or tilapia or sole or any other kind of white colored fish. Yeah. It's funny. I don't remember. This was like 10 years ago. So I don't remember which one she picked out that she didn't like as much. I want to say it was tilapia because we had halibut. There was sole. There was like a sea bass. Do you have a favorite for your fish tacos? Whatever is the freshest white fish that's like an easy, mild, flaky white fish. I'll grill that on the grill or I'll grill that in a pan. Whatever time of year it is. I like a grilled white fish with a lot of lime, a little bit of cabbage, a little bit of cilantro. There's few dinners I like more than that. I would eat that any day of the week. And it actually (laughs) is a perfect segue to the next thing I wanted to talk to you about because I love the category of slaws. And I do think Mm -hmm. there's a reason you think of coleslaw when you think of cabbage. And it's not just where you grew up. I just think coleslaws and slaws in general are just amazing. But one thing that I make a lot in the winter when I'm missing the softer lettuces or you know how sometimes you get in a rut because if you're shopping in the farmer's market, especially here, like there really aren't tomatoes and cucumbers in the dead of winter unless they're grown in a hothouse and they don't tend to have as much flavor. And so you kind of start to get creative, like, well, what are the vegetables I can be eating in my salad right now? Because like in summer, it's endless. So this time of year, I get so into Napa cabbage slaws in particular. Coleslaw, you're worth thinking about like those green heads of cabbage or even purple cabbage. But Napa cabbage, it's so interesting because the ribs of it are so tender and thick and the leafy part is actually, there's so little of it. And it comes in either green or purple. Like at the farmer's market, you'll find purple Napa cabbage, which oh, is just- I don't just... I've ever seen purple Napa cabbage. Oh, you haven't? I don't know that I've ever seen I don't seen know it. if it's down there. It's up here yeah, for sure. And I can wow. only find it at the farmer's market. I'll have to post a picture. It's so yeah, beautiful. I'd love to see. Wow. Because I think Napa cabbage is, I would almost call it permed. You know, like there's a weirdness yeah. about those leaves. They're both crunchy and they're kind of soft and lovely. There's almost, I don't know if you want to call them more refined. I don't know. I think of just like a regular tight head of standard cabbage as kind of the standard, right? And there's something so lovely about a Napa cabbage that you can't always find it. I think you're exactly right. I would. It's like a gentler cabbage. A standard head of cabbage, you have to sort of shred it very thin to soften it. If you're eating it raw and it's not shredded thin, it has fibrousness. But a Napa cabbage, if you just picked up a whole leaf and ate it, it's pretty tender even in 
in that form. Yeah, I agree. I really appreciate what you said about, especially in the cold winter months when there aren't cucumbers, the flavor of the cucumbers isn't great and tomatoes have almost no flavor. And so what are the items that you can find at any grocery store? Cabbage is one of the things you can find at any grocery store in any month of any year. And it's still going to give you so many options for what you can do with it. And, and, and so it's going to taste better in the winter because the sugar is the way – but to the about the Napa cabbage. So the slaw that I make yes. and that I crave all winter is I basically make either a peanut dressing or a miso dressing, but same idea, either use miso paste or peanut butter mixed with rice wine vinegar, soy sauce, garlic, lime juice, something really simple. I'm not usually following a recipe, but we'll definitely link one. And then this is the key ingredient for me, a toasted peanut or toasted sesame seed or both. That sounds so good. And I never even thought of that when I was coming to the, this conversation. I don't even think of that, of that putting that kind of dressing on a on Napa cabbage. Really? Oh, oh yeah. So I do a peanutty, nutty. Sometimes we'll even do a tahini sauce for a Napa cabbage slaw. And then to my slaw, I'll add shredded carrot. Sometimes I'll add green onion or you know red onion, radish, and then a toasted nut. And then if you have cilantro on hand or mint or, you know, obviously it depends if you can still grow that this time of year or if you can grab right. some at the store. But a fresh herb goes a long way. But even a scallion sliced thin is perfect for this. So yeah, I'm eating cabbage slaws like that at pretty much every week. Well, I'm really going to try that because I really don't think of cabbage when I, you know, I very much go to like the standard coleslaw ideas and or just like shredding it and putting it on top of my bowl of soup or putting it on top of my fish tacos. So I really love that idea. I want to go in a different direction. The next recipe I want to talk to you about is something I've been thinking about making for a very long time. And I've never really had a way to make it. I've definitely seen recipes, but I was always just kind of afraid. And it's cabbage rolls. Um, and when I received your cookbook, it was the first recipe I made out of your book. Oh my gosh. Because I've always wanted to make cabbage rolls. You and I experienced cabbage rolls together when, when we were in Montreal together. Yeah. And just to clarify, we, we also mean like stuffed, some people call it stuffed cabbage. cabbage. Some people call it cabbage rolls. In Russia, we call it galupzi. Uh, but yes, I so remember going with you to this, was it Hungarian, this market? It was a Romanian market. It was a Romanian market. Yeah. My friend, Ali recommended it to me because she grew up in Montreal and she, her mother is Romanian. And she said, this is like the kind of food my mom grew up eating, my mom making. And she was like, it's the closest representation of my mom's food. And I remember you and I went there and we ate those cabbage rolls. And I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever had in my life. It's so delicious. I grew up on stuffed cabbage. It was oh, such a feature so of my lucky. life. It is a little bit intimidating to make for the first time. It's not the easiest, simplest recipe in the world. You know what? I'll be totally honest with you. I know that you're a really good recipe writer and I trust like my culinary abilities, but I will say I sort of got ahead of myself in that like I thought I was going to make them on the weekend and that we didn't really have time. And I had bought two heads of cabbage, but then James ended up using one for like a <laughs> pasta dish that he makes. And so on a weeknight in the middle of kind of like a weekday madness, I decided I was just going to make them. I had already made the sauce and I had the ground meat. And, and so 
so I did it as I was trying to roll them. I was kind of like, I don't know if this is right. They kind of look ugly. I'm not sure. And I just kept pushing forward and I rolled as many as I could with the leaves that I had. And and then I nestled them in the sauce and I let them simmer and we licked the bottom of the pot. It was so good. And they all stuck together. They were still beautiful when we ate them. They were perfectly buttery. The way that the cabbage, when it cooks in the sauce, it's like so buttery and delicious. And they were just so perfect in their simplicity. It was so comforting. It's so, right? It's ultimate comfort food. And do you feel like now that you've made it, you're less intimidated, even though you're second guessing yourself in the process, if you sort of reflect on it, even though there's a couple steps, it's like lasagna. It's actually not any step is that hard, right? Exactly. Exactly. I certainly think of my, you know, I think you and I both, we try to make cooking simple, right? And we try to acknowledge that like home cooking especially is not meant to be this perfect thing. And yet as someone who has that identity, like I worked as a chef and I talk about food and, and you're someone that I both admire and look up to. And there was a part of me that was, wow, this is going to be so ugly and it's not going to turn out right. And even my son, even Mac was like, wait, this is so good. Can we have this again? I was like, did you just ask for cabbage rolls again? Like, And it freezes really well too, by the way. I just, I can't even tell you how happy it makes me that that was the first (laughs) recipe. I mean, that is such one of my grandmother's recipe, the one with the meat. You can use any ground meat. We usually did turkey, but you can do chicken or beef or even probably pork works really well. And then I also have a recipe in the book to use uh, eggplant or zucchini instead of meat. But either way you use it, there's something that happens. Like it doesn't make yeah, sense with the combination. No. I used ground chicken. You I used did. Ground, I used ground chicken. And thing that I that I will say, because you weren't there and none of our listeners were there at my table, <laughs> the thing that I think is important to share is that there's something that happens when you simmer it in that tomato sauce. The meat is delectable. It's like it's really tender it's and tender then, and, and then the meat infuses the sauce. Like yes. you're because it's basically a tomato sauce, but not an Italian y one. And it's not one of those the, my recipe isn't like too sweet and sour. Some cabbage rolls are super sweet and sour. Mine is just more savory. And there's yeah. something away about the way whatever meat you use like adds an, an extra layer to the sauce, but then the sauce adds an extra layer to the meat. No, and I would say again, we we always trying to stay away from this word, but it's like it was so moist. Yeah. And so and so velvety and delicious and tomatoey. And I really love that tomato butter marinara sauce that um Marcella Hazan makes. Marcella yeah. Hazan makes. I use that a lot because I like the richness of all that butter. And this is not that. It's like this light olive oil sauce that I love the bay leaves in it. It just right. it was so Aww. it was honestly so comforting. And you had suggested to eat it with crusty bread, to like soak up all the sauce. And I had gone to the farmer's market a couple weeks before and I bought a sourdough loaf from one of my favorite farmers, this woman who grows the grain and mills it and bakes it into bread. Wow. But I had brought it home and I sort of run out of time for the day. And so I just took the whole loaf in the bag and shoved it in the freezer. <laughs> you know, it sat there for a couple of weeks and I thought, oh, it's going to be kind of like gross. But there was a trick that I remember getting actually from a Zabar's basket where they had shipped all this food to us, including a loaf of bread. And the trick was you run your loaf 
of bread under the faucet. And I was like, no way. You don't like run a By the way, bread under the faucet. I remember when you taught me this trick. Yes. We were working on the retreat and I was like, no, you don't do that. No, and you're you like, yes, do you, that. yes you do. It's crazy, it's, but it works. It's totally crazy. So I thawed out this loaf of bread on the counter for the day and then I ran it under the water and then I put it in a super hot oven. I think that's the key is like it goes into the oven that's already 450 and it sort of blasts it. It makes the outside of the bread really crunchy and the inside is so fluffy and soft and that it was the most perfect complement to the cabbage rolls because it was crunchy and then you could take the soft pieces of the bread and dip it in the dip it in the tomato sauce and it was just like the perfect meal honestly I, I couldn't be more grateful I'm so sad I wasn't in town <laughs> and near you when you were making I want your cabbage rolls I do have one last question about cabbage rolls did you use savoy cabbage or did you use regular green cabbage I used regular green cabbage okay. because I was at the grocery store and they didn't even have Savoy. And I, I was know, like, wait, why doesn't Whole Foods have Savoy? You and I wanted to have this conversation with each other because it's such a versatile ingredient. And for me, I think being able to access it anywhere you are, there can always be a head of cabbage in your fridge. And like, what a great thing to have. And it lasts for weeks. But I do want to just make one note about Savoy because I really love Savoy cabbage. We haven't talked about it yet. I think it's kind of a cross between Napa and your standard green cabbage. So the the leaves are very soft and tender and wrinkly. The ribs are a little bit more tender and thinner, but they're not quite as tender and soft as Napa. And it's a tight, you know, ball of cabbage as opposed to like those long ovally Napa. But for stuffed cabbage, my grandmother was always look for Savoy if you can. I mean, she made it with regular, but she was always like on the hunt for Savoy season. And in the Northwest, there's a pretty big chunk of winter where you can find Savoy cabbage. So if you're lucky enough to stumble on it at the grocery store, like she would, she didn't go to a farmer's market, she just went to the grocery store and she would just scout out like, okay, do they have Savoy cabbage? But if not, of course, green cabbage works great. I think I want to highlight, we did not have any leftovers, (laughs) so there was nothing to freeze. But I think you're offering that this is a freezable item is so helpful for me in particular, being able to cook ahead of time on a weekend, cook a double batch of this, knowing that my family loves it so much, and then put half of it in the freezer. It's like a gift to my future self. And it's, I, it's like banking your future meals, like we've talked about. It's an investment. Best. Yeah. It's an investment. And honestly, I just think it's brilliant that our ancestors boiled cabbage and stuffed it with meat and simmered it in tomato sauce and figured out how to do this because it doesn't actually make sense to me as a person. I'm like, <laughs> how is this lettuce? Like, how is it holding its shape? And it just does. That you can also freeze it is so cool, you know? Yeah, it's a great reheat meal. Okay, so before we go, I feel like you have one more to tell me about that you're keeping secret. I do. I have one more and it also goes back to you as always. So when I was doing a little research for this, my Midwestern heart skipped a beat when it saw this recipe, a couple of recipes for cabbage casserole. And I was like, what is cabbage casserole? I found my way all the way back to Magnus Nilsson. You know I love Magnus Nilsson. The Nordic cookbook that you gave me and I wish you had dated it. I but know. You, you gave me that Nordic cookbook maybe five years ago. The date that I gave it to you is exactly when it came out. So whatever okay. co- copyright is, because I remember Magnus Nielsen, for those people who don't know, he's a Swedish chef. He's a Nordic chef. He wrote this definitive cookbook on Nordic cooking. He also, by the way, P.S., if you follow this Instagram, I have never 
encountered a human who describes apple varieties as poetically and as sensually as him. You have to go look through his Instagram and just read anything he's ever written about apples. But anyway, when his book came out, I was so stoked. I got a copy for Carrie and one for me and whatever year that was. It was a while back. To your point about being poetic, I want to read from his book. This is the introduction to his cabbage section. He talks about how cabbage has been grown in Scandinavia since the Middle Ages and plays a big part in the food culture in most parts of the Nordic region. Cabbage is also quite special because it is so versatile. It's tasty, raw, and cooked in both summer and winter. It can be harvested and eaten straight away, but also kept for up to a year. In the right conditions, its layered construction will protect it from spoilage, even though the exterior of a head of firm winter cabbage can be covered in mold if you peel that away just a few millimeters further down hides a pristine light green head of cabbage smelling of cool summer mornings Ugh. I mean, can you even? I can't. I can't because that's why I love him. Okay, so tell me about this cabbage casserole. I'm dying okay. to know. Even though I have, but everyone should know. It's like this cookbook has thousands of recipes. It's enormous, so it's hard to notice okay. all of them. Here's my hilarious confession. I took this off of the shelf. It weighs so much that I went upstairs and weighed myself, and then weighed myself holding the book. And the <laughs> book weighs five and a half pounds. That's so tremendous. I hauled this book with me to the office today so that I could share some of these. <laughs> recipes. But one of the recipes that I came across, it was it's actually published in the New York Times and it's called Swedish, I think it's called Cal Pudding and it's a cabbage casserole. It's really this cool, it's like a meatloaf with caramelized cabbage. And I think you can use whatever meat. He calls for beef and pork. I imagine that you could do beef and chicken if you wanted to or chicken and turkey, onion, there's a little bit of cream, there's breadcrumbs, there's meat stock and soy sauce. I think it's to your point about the alchemy because I think it kind of describes this magical thing that happens when you cook cabbage. I think it's something really special. And so I was going to bring this recipe to you because I haven't yet made it, but I wanted to know if this is something that you have made before. No, and I love when you bring recipes to me because they're <laughs> usually ones I would never have found on my own, even if I own the cookbook, apparently. Even if I gifted you the cookbook, I might miss a recipe. But what you're describing, a caramelized cabbage meatloaf, almost sounds like the flavors of deconstructed cabbage rolls. And I'm sure that cabbage brings so much moisture and tenderness to the meat. It sounds so up my alley that I definitely think I would try that. The version that they put forth in the New York Times, it said to serve it with boiled potatoes, that that was like a good side. But, you know, I think about in your cabbage rolls, there's the rice. So yeah. there's the rice kind of adds like a nice starchiness to it. For this one, the cabbage casserole, you could serve it with boiled potatoes. With your cabbage rolls, you also serve it with bread. And so like having something that you can kind of like pile it on or eat with it that's a little bit starchy is, you know, rice, bread, potatoes. It has this really beautiful heftiness without being too heavy. I love it. I think cabbage is just the secret key to so many winter dishes yeah. with its hardiness, with its light lightness, with its texture, with its sweetness. It is so versatile. So, so versatile. So affordable, so easy to find, and so beautiful. Give me a bouquet of cabbages any day. <laughs> this was so fun. I'm really excited to cook some cabbage. I know, me too. And we didn't even talk about kimchi or pasta or, you know, we might have to do another cabbage episode. I just love it. Yeah. It's a great vegetable. No question. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for being our food friend. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, leave us a review, and share this episode with friends. We love hearing from you, so follow us on Instagram or drop us a line at foodfriendspodcast.com. 
Yes, we'd love to hear from you and your food friends. Happy cooking and eating. Oh, oh, oh.